Ever wondered what it takes to get from millions in sales to double-figure millions in sales? Well, we're discussing the five-part strategy that this guest's taken in today's episode. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast, here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's episode, I'm chatting with an awesome guest who applied to be on the show. Yes, she headed to ecmp.info forward slash guest and filled in the form. And hey, presto, just a couple of weeks later, we recorded this interview. It's always lovely to interview our listeners and share your stories. So if you want to be on the show, ecmp.info forward slash guest and get your application to me. Okay, in this episode, we are talking to a brand who, a D2C brand, who are busy moving from doing millions of pounds a year to doing double figure millions of pounds a year. And we're exploring a different type of e-commerce, the blue ocean that is selling to the older generation. We're talking the 60 pluses here. We're talking beauty. We're talking magento. We're talking fast growth and much, much more. My guest is not only sharing her five-part strategy for growth, we're also getting into some really interesting little nuggets of information. Plus, as well as talking about the business she's working for now, she's also sharing some tips and tricks she picked up during her time at Birchbox. Yes, the massive subscription business. Please listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on my guest's top tips, frequently described as the best bit of the show, and my own take on this episode. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Janice Thomas is the e-commerce and marketing director at Look Fabulous Forever, the innovative cosmetics and skincare brand designed to meet the needs of older women. They're a UK D2C brand selling globally to a customer base often ignored by the D2C world, who they're serving via a Magento site. Founded in 2013, Janice has been driving the growth strategy for just over two years. They're currently doing millions a year and working towards double figure millions. Hello, Janice. Hello, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, It's always nice to talk about customer bases and platforms that don't get as much um, as much shouting about as the youth and Shopify. So uh, so it's awesome to have you here. But before we get into all of that, um, how did you end up in the world of e-commerce? It's interesting because I think when I started in e-commerce, 
was proper e-commerce was when I joined Birchbox, which was about um, 2018. But actually, I'd been working in media and entertainment online for a long, long time before that. And actually, in terms of selling product online, back in the days of, you know, the early days of the internet, I was doing that. But at the time, it wasn't considered e-commerce. Whereas I think nowadays, particularly with the rise of kind of streaming services like Netflix and Apple TV, that that media and entertainment side is now considered more e-commerce than it was at the time. And certainly the reason I ended up at Birchbox was that they found they could teach a subscription person about beauty, but it was much harder to teach a beauty person about subscription. That makes makes total sense. And I've heard a lot of you know when you when you look at these kind of trend reports or futurology stuff, quite often they're saying that that you know the e-commerce brand should be building media arms and vice versa. So it's it's um as we see the need for story and content and that richer brand that's more than just a logo and some colors it certainly certainly makes sense you'd have you'd have fitted in very well in the e-commerce world um so now you're at a fascinating business look fabulous forever you are a d2c brand but you're not on shopify uh, why are you breaking all the rules <laughs> It's interesting, actually, that when I joined the business in 2020, one of the first questions our managing director asked me is, are we on the right platform? And I said to her at the time, I was really surprised um, that the business was on Magento at the time. And if I had been with the business early on, I probably would have picked Shopify as the right platform. But because the business was already on Magento and in terms of where we're going in the future, that platform is much more flexible and makes much more sense for the long term of the business, in my opinion. So it's kind of a, a lucky in hindsight that they were already there when you got there because you're not having to deal with a massive website move. Absolutely. That my worst nightmare is doing a platform migration. I have so far in my career not had to do it. And I'm sure it's not actually that bad in, in oh, it reality. Is. Oh, it is. Well, then I, will. Is. I hope never to do it. <laughs> I've, done, I've done 10 plus in my time, project managing them for people. And um, no, if you can avoid it, there has to be an awful lot wrong with your existing system for it to be worth making the changes. Um, yeah. Yeah, avoid it. Uh, if, you, if you can make it to retirement without doing one, I take my hat off to you. I think, think it's you're, you know, your 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 stress levels will remain considerably lower um, through through your things. And I, I should say, I do love many website developers. <laughs> I'm just saying, it. I think it's often a decision people jump into too quickly because something's being noisy or because someone tells them something's a good idea without really assessing. But before we get into Chloe's rant on that, uh, let's ask you another question about Look Fabulous Forever. So your customer base are the older generation. What are we talking about when I say older generation? Well, it's interesting because in beauty, generally you're an older woman if you're over 30. And that's really not what we're talking about um, before. 
our founder started the brand when she was 65. Um, and essentially she found, particularly after she'd been through menopause, that the makeup and skincare products she'd used historically didn't really work for her anymore. So she tried to find something else that did and really basically discovered nobody cares about that audience. So our customers are predominantly in their 60s, 70s and 80s. And as you said, we're 100% direct to consumer. You can't buy us in the shops. And uh, I think that's one of the things for me that I think is a huge opportunity for all e-commerce businesses is to think more widely about who your customer could be than the people you see working around you every day. It's quite mad, isn't it? It's one of those massive blue ocean opportunities that people just don't talk about because TikTok's so much more exciting. Um, I'm making massive generalizations. I suspect there are people in their 60s and 70s on TikTok, anyone who's now screaming at their phone or whatever you're listening to us on. But it's it's strange, isn't it? Every now and then we have someone on who's who's working in one of those areas and trying to highlight this opportunity. But often the fashion of the beauty industry in particular tend to be very, very narrowed in on the 20-somethings and the teens. And the the even weirder thing about it is the older generation, they've got the money, haven't they? Absolutely. They're, they're affluent, they're engaged. We had a conversation with YouTube recently that the average time that one of our customers watches a video is about six times higher than they typically see. So our level of engagement from our customers is huge. And because they are so overlooked, um, they're stereotyped when they are included, that when we put you know, a picture on social media of Trisha as 74 in her convertible car looking absolutely amazing, it's like catnip. These women are like, oh, look, somebody who actually looks like me. Um, and they're really inspired. So it, it is an amazing place to work. And I think one of the things I love is that Trisha believes, yes, you know, we have the business and we're selling makeup and skincare products, but actually we have a wider role to challenge perceptions of older women in society. And she will go and she recently spoke at a conference for people who are building retirement villages to really challenge their perception about who they think their customer is and what they actually want from that experience. And we should just say Trisha is the founder um, of Look Fabulous Forever, just in case you're wondering who Trisha is. Um, a very clever lady. And a, I mean, 65 starting a business, that's quite impressive too. So one other question on the older generation before we move into how you're tackling the, the big growth challenge that you've been given is we talk a lot on this podcast about sustainability and how we have a bit of a role, not just to educate people that the products are available, but also that we should be making more sustainable decisions. And I'm forever trying to work out for everyone listening where that message fits in the customer journey. We hear that the older generation don't care about climate change and sustainability. Is that too broad brush a statement? or Because I know you've, you've got a whole recycling program going on, so you're doing things in that space. How do you find that the relationship between your customers and the sustainability messaging? Yeah, it's something we have a regular quarterly survey that we ask our customers about a range of different topics. But sustainability is something that we benchmarked over time. And what's really interesting for me is to see that since we started our first survey in June 2020, it had just 
consistently and steadily grown with the exception of our last survey in June 2022, where it dropped in favor of value for money. So I think that's going to be a really interesting challenge for all brands is making that trade-off. But I think while it's not huge for our customers, my personal belief is I think our customers are quite honest about whether they think it's important enough versus I think a younger generation is sometimes more conscious of that they should think sustainability is important, that they should, which is why I think you see this disconnect in people saying that they think sustainability is important, but then in their behavior, they're not willing to pay extra for sustainable brands and those kind of things. So I think it is a really interesting topic. And I think it's a complex topic to do right, because we see within the beauty industry, a lot of brands are saying, oh, we're going, you know, plastic free by 2025 or whatever it might be. And I think particularly because we do, you know, manufacture our own products, we look into this in a lot of detail and going plastic free is not necessarily the perfect solution, that there are some interesting developments in things like bamboo, but then bamboo is a very invasive species. So do you just swap one problem for another? So I think for us, we are reluctant to rush into something that is a attention grabbing statement that might not actually be long term the right thing to do. So I think it is a complex issue. And I think brands who take it seriously should be looking at the full impact of their decisions and not just what looks good to customers. Yeah, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? We had um, uh totally blanked on his name. We had the founder of Poochin Mutt on the other day who was talking about how they sell their food in Tetra Packs, which I thought were the worst packaging ever. But he very rightly set me correct on that. They've, and they've done the endless research and worked out that actually overall the life cycle, right from manufacture through delivery, etc., it's a much more planet-friendly way to sell dog food than tin cans, which was news to me. But it's, you know, and they spend quite a lot of time educating the customers that Tetra Packs aren't as bad as you think they are. So it's, yeah, we have to be really deep in this. And I think one of the themes we've seen coming through with the conversations I've been having with people is that the key thing is to be transparent about what you're actually doing. Is that something you find your, your customers respect? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, we do get questions about, right, well, you know, why are you using plastic, you know, kind of you should, you know, for skincare, we recently switched to glass jars and because our customers told us they would actually rather recycle at home than they would because we have a scheme where you can send your empty containers back to you and we have a recycling partner who will manage those because they're not typically, um, you can't typically put them in your household recycling. But I think there is an element of, that reassurance of customers that you can put it in your own domestic recycling versus then the cost of sending it back to us and us then sending it on to someone else. And it's just not a clear equation. I think, as you say, it's just being honest about the challenges that we face and the reasons we're making particular decisions. 
Okay. I said we get into it. Now you have, uh, you know, you're aiming to get from millions towards double figure millions, which is a big old leap in the e-commerce world. It's very easy to say, a lot harder to achieve. And you've got a five pillar growth strategy. So how did you come up with these five pillars? So I think for us, part of it is to do with um, building a culture of continuous improvement. And that's kind of something that we've done more broadly is look at our culture and our mission and all of those things. And then say, for me, part of that culture and kind of a key thing that theme that runs through our pillars is continuous improvement that, and I think prior to me joining the brand had tried a lot of those kind of big bang things oh let's do tv advertising let's do a pop-up shop and you know you can see these things but they're sort of high they can be quite high risk and i think my philosophy for growth has always been i'd rather grow slower and more profitably than i would grow rapidly and then potentially not actually be able to replicate that so for me that culture of continuous improvement and finding five things that we can do better every day, that we as a team can come up with new ideas, that those ideas are welcome from everyone across the team to get better. I think that's where it came from. And there were certain things like, for example, when I joined the business, I could see from the metrics that the thing that would make the most difference was that if we could increase our conversion rate, that that was the thing that was holding us back from being able to invest in growth and kind of all of those things. And so as a result, while in the just over two years I've been with the business, we've doubled conversion, that could still go further. And the more that we do to improve our conversion and our user experience means actually we can keep conversion at a steady rate and invest more in driving more incremental traffic to the website that potentially converts at a lower rate and it becomes more cost effective. So conversion was always um, part of it. Lifetime value for us is absolutely crucial because once customers discover our products and discover the difference they really do make, they come back and they buy from us again and again and again. And things like, for example, we know that customers who buy skincare from us as well as makeup, their lifetime value is more than twice those of customers who only buy makeup from us. So if we can get customers to make their first skincare purchase, that's a really crucial tipping point that can make a difference to the business. So putting the five pillars in place of conversion optimization, increasing new customers, increasing lifetime value, increasing our new product pipeline and developing our team, all of these things that we can do more and more every day and every day, if we're doing all of those things, we're taking a step closer and we're learning, even if something doesn't work, that's really valuable. And it's just easier to take a little step every day than it is to try and take a giant leap. Yeah, I think people often just think, oh, yeah, we'll we'll just try TV ads or we'll just try something totally new. But and give it not quite give it to the intern when it's a TV ad, but they give it to someone. It becomes their baby, their project, but it's not integrated through the business. You know, so in the case of TV ads, it goes live 
probably not on Wednesday night in the middle of Coronation Street because what e-commerce brand can really afford that But for, the fir- for their first test. But, you know, it goes live on some big opportunity and you haven't told customer services. So there's only one person in manning the phone lines or something. So I think, I think it's really interesting that the very first thing you said about that when I asked you about the growth strategy was the culture and the team and the people, not we needed to improve our Google ads or we needed to, you know, uh, segment our email marketing. It's a much more intangible route to growth. Absolutely. We we had um, a great new initiative um, recently where we improved um, the user experience around selecting a specific colour on the website. And that came from the most junior person on the team. And she said, I don't think the way that we select colours is very good. Here's some examples of other websites I think do it better. And having the culture where you've got someone who cares enough to notice that, to go research it in their own time, to come to the more senior members of the team and say, I think this is an opportunity. That that comes from culture, that comes from the team, knowing those ideas will be valued and implemented. You can't just, for me, values aren't something you just stick on a wall and forget about. That doesn't work. It has to be embedded in everything that you do. And it seems to be paying off. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is. And I like the fact that your CRO approach is more UX or customer experience driven than it it is not data driven, because I'm sure it is data driven, but it's not analytics focused. It's let's take those those bigger problems that we've got and solve those rather than, oh, we're getting a 3% drop off from here to here. Let's speed up the site or something. All of which I'm sure, you know, which I know are valid approaches, but I think often people get lost in the minutiae of, of CRO and, and don't stop to step back and look at that bigger picture. Yeah. And I think the fact that we listen to our customers a lot is quite key in that. I mean, I think, I think there's two parts. I, yes, we, we formally survey our customers. We have a closed Facebook group, which is just the most rich and valuable insight into our customers' lives. That Yes, they talk about our products from time to time, but they'll share things like a cancer diagnosis or losing their partner. And you get to know, we get to know our customers really, really well and understand what their lives are like far beyond our product. So we have, we have that. We have our regular customer surveys and one of the things we always have at the end is just an open question is there anything else you would like to tell us because you'd be surprised people say oh yeah I'm having problems with this specific thing that you can't see but I think where that is less helpful is around behavior and certainly I found in my career asking people about their behavior is quite difficult and it gets some quite not very helpful answers I remember when I was involved in the early days of um, movie streaming before Netflix were doing streaming. And one of the things we wanted to understand was how do people decide what movie to watch? And even me, who I watch a lot of films, I would struggle to articulate what that actual process is. So we went into people's homes in their own home with their own sofa, their own TV, their own remote control and said, okay, show us how you choose a movie. And I think 
that's where the analytics and things are more helpful is understanding that behavior because customers struggle to articulate it. Yeah. And I think there's always that, you know, we all know, we should all know as marketers that what someone says they're going to do is often not the same as what they actually do, which I guess comes back to your point about the older generation being more honest about sustainability, as we were talking about earlier. But it's also, you know, why did you choose that chocolate bar? Why did you just eat that biscuit? I don't know. I was hungry. It's a terrible answer. You know, it's like we should all not have in our checkout the question, how did you find us? Because it distracts from from the purchase flow. But also, they can't remember. They don't know how they first heard about you 99% of the time. They're just going to pick the first option or Google or, you know, it's... Uh, anyway, ranting again. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about the CRO and the culture and then I love that lifetime value tip you or suggestion, I suppose, that you shared with everyone, because time and time again throughout my career, it's been the case if you get a consumer to buy from multiple channels, or you get them to buy multiple product categories or multiple brands, they become a more loyal customer, more deeply embedded with the brand. And I think it's something which so many businesses fail to really understand the importance of of how the second purchase goes down. You know, it's like I was listening to yours. And I was like, right, so in the parcels, I'm guessing you've got a flyer that, you know, if someone's bought makeup, they get a skincare flyer. And if they've bought skincare, they get a makeup flyer. And it's, you know, that and in the emails and so forth. It's such a simple tweak, but it can have so much power further down the line. Yeah. And I think that's part of what I bought from my subscription background, because for that, the kind of retention is probably a bigger focus than acquisition and understanding those kind of granular pieces and the tipping points and kind of what influences those then makes the difference between a profitable business and an unprofitable one and and there are I mean less so at Look Fabulous Forever but at Birchbox I remember looking at our data around um acquisition and there was some really interesting stuff around when we ran an offer the people who came in at the beginning of the offer say it ran for a week so the people who came in as soon as the offer started they would stay longer than the people who came in right at the end of the offer and there was clearly a behavior around i've been thinking about this for a while and the offer has pushed me over the edge to oh, no, the offer's going to run out quick. I'm going to do it, you know. And I think that insight into customer behavior has been really useful to me because particularly at Look Fabulous Forever, we have a very long journey to purchase because our products are completely different than anything else out there. Our, Our customer base needs to know that we can be trusted, that we're legitimate, kind of all of those things. What difference can these products make that, you know, some of our customers have kind of almost given up on wearing makeup and we bring them back and say, do you know what? Yes, you've stopped using makeup because it didn't work for you, but it can. So understanding that journey isn't just that, I know we're moving away from last click, but the influence that different touch points can have on that quality of the customer long-term is really vital. We invest massively in our YouTube channel because we know that people who are most valuable customers 
tend to interact with us on YouTube, both before they make their first purchase and then subsequently afterwards. So yes, nobody converts via YouTube because, you know, it's not the right platform. Why would you stop? You're you're going to YouTube, you're planning to watch a video, you see an ad for something else. Oh, no, no, I'm going to stop what I was going to watch and I'm going to go on your website. No, but we understand that YouTube is so vital in what we do and we believe in it and we see the results accordingly. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Whether your team are employees or freelancers, they're probably not in the office every day. This can be a nightmare when you're trying to get new product data ready to launch. The solution is Plytix, P-L-Y-T-I-X, voted the number one PIM for SMBs. In Plytix, you and your team can work simultaneously on the same products without any issues. Plytix allows you to work wherever and whenever, so no more popping over to Ashley's desk to ask which version of the spreadsheet you're supposed to use. Plytix is a safe sandbox environment where you and your team can get your product data ready to publish, which also means you can cut back who has access to your website backend, reducing the risk of costly errors. Plytix have a free forever plan, so you can sign up for your free PIM account right now at plytix.com forward slash masterplan. That's P-L-Y-T-I-X dot com forward slash masterplan. And if you decide to upgrade, e-commerce masterplan listeners get a whopping 50% off their first year. I want to tell you about Awesome, spelt O-S-O-M-E. They are the experts in organising your e-commerce business accounts so you don't have to worry about filing company reports or paying taxes on time. Awesome accountants take care of all your finance admin and are on hand to answer your questions. It's really easy to link your online store, bank accounts and payment systems to the Awesome app, which then keeps track of your spending, profits and financial performance in real time, giving you peace of mind and saving you time too. Plus, using the Awesome system will save your business thousands of pounds every year. To get a demo and find out how much time and money Awesome could save you, go to ecmp.info forward slash awesome, fill in your details and hit the let's go button. Make sure you use the link ecmp.info forward slash awesome, that's O-S-O-M-E, as it will automatically add a coupon to save you £110. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. Janice, are you ready for the Top Tips? Yes. Okay, the book Top Tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? It would have to be Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I put off reading that book for years. I thought it was going to be the, you know, lunches for wimps and I get up at 4am and (laughs) all of those things. And it is not that book at all. It is a lot about emotional intelligence and how we deal with people and the difference that it makes. And there's one line in it that 
I try to live by, and that is leadership is communicating others' worth and potential so clearly that they're inspired to see it in themselves. And that's how I would like to live my life every day. Oh, that's a good one. I, I have read it but so long ago. Maybe it's time for a reread. Uh, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? For me, it's got to be social. The IMRG, the Association for UK um, E-Commerce, they regularly measure like different acquisition channels. And typically in UK e-commerce, most brands are generating, you know, single figure percentages of their revenue from social. And it just seems like such a hugely missed opportunity. You think of how whether you're um, generation alpha or you're a boomer, you're on your phone on some kind of social network at some point. And if you can crack that, if you can make it feel like something that fits and is welcome in that place, it is just such a huge opportunity. Yes, it's it's weird, isn't it? The social conundrum. So one day someone will solve it and we'll make a small fortune. Um, okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, it's something that I stole that we used to use at Birchbox. And particularly when we were thinking about, we developed these um, values around continuous improvement, around recognizing our success, because that's part of the problem with the culture of continuous improvement. You're always looking forward and what's next and actually taking the time um, to recognize people. And we have a value around compassion, which is really important for us. So what we do is every week we come together as an organization to discuss the week's performance and everyone brings to that meeting either a win, a learning or a thank you. And I feel like it really just improves everything that we do, celebrating our success, sharing the things that we've we've learned and recognizing the contributions of our colleagues. Oh, like a on mass gratitude diary. Very yes. cool. Very cool. Um, OK, an easy everyone can even if you're working on your own. You can do that. Uh, okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? It's got to be paid social. I think it is far easier to get started than a lot of people give it credit for. That on the most basic level, you can retarget people who visited your website. You can even just retarget people who visited your checkout and you can serve them with dynamic product ads. So it just takes a feed from your website with all the images and the prices and the description. You don't need to design any creative. You don't need to write any copy. And then Meta will let you set a minimum return on advertising spend. So you can say only spend if you can generate me 10 times more than I spend back in revenue. And I just why wouldn't everyone do it? It's free money. Excellent. I love the practicality of that tip. That was brilliant. Thank you, Janice. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social, please? Yep, we're lookfabulousforever.co.uk on the web and all of our social channels are Look Fabulous Forever. And uh, we have Trisha Cusden on YouTube because that's why you're watching our YouTube tr channel because you love Trisha. 
Excellent. Um, and Janice, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been lovely chatting with you. I think you've given us all a lot to think about. So um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chloe. So loads of interesting bits and pieces to take from our chat with Janice there. Um, Before I get into that, though, the Pooch and Mutt episode I mentioned, I was talking with Guy Blasky. Sorry, Guy, for forgetting your name earlier. Um, And that's episode 396. If you want to go back and have a listen to uh, the whys and wherefores of Tetra Packs versus Tin Cans and a whole load of other cool, interesting stuff. Two of the big pieces that come out of that for me are... Number one, culture being so crucial. If you want fast growth, you have to have everyone aligned. And we've gotten to loads of different ways that Janice and the team have been working on that. And I think that is just such an important part that often gets skipped over. And one that we talked about in our episode um, with Big Island Coffee Roasters as well, when Christina was on the show a couple of episodes back. So I think that's a really interesting one. The other key piece for me was how much they're investing in getting to know the customers better. So they're doing that quarterly survey to understand them better. They are looking at what they're doing on the website and how they're behaving. And they are running that closed Facebook group for their customers in which they're learning the empathy side of what their customers care about, what they're interested in, so they can then construct the marketing, et cetera, which helps them with their challenges. Really, really interesting. Lots lots of bits and pieces to think about there. So thanks so much to Janice for coming on. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our special director episode links. That's ecmp.info forward slash episode number and you'll go straight to the correct page on the website. Once you get to the website, please do add yourself to our email list as that's where we, we share kind of the latest and greatest news and ideas we have to help you improve your business. And if you like this episode, then make sure you check out our other Magento episodes, which you'll find via ecmp.info forward slash Magento, strangely enough. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with their businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Clavio comes in. It's top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at clavio.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.